Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So it's not just the man, it's also the system that he oversees. And notice in verse 8, And the beast that you saw was, and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names, notice, are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. everyone, and welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Our scripture today says, The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? The only way that your name will be in that book is if you have put your belief and faith in Jesus Christ. Paul told us today is the day of salvation. Now here's Pastor Rob. Let's open our Bibles now to Revelation chapter 17. We've been in Revelation 17, and we're going to finish this chapter today. We've been in it for three weeks and I don't really apologize for that because it is a, a very pivotal um, chapter, 17 and 18. The, this whole idea, this whole theme of Babylon is uh, replete throughout the Bible. We see it first in uh, Genesis chapter 10 and 11. We see it in Isaiah chapter 13 and 14. We see it coming back in Jeremiah 50 and 51. And certainly we see it here in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. And the whole premise behind this chapter is that uh, in the end days, as you know, we are in the, um, getting toward the, the, we're getting toward the very end of the tribulation period. In fact, uh, three weeks ago, we looked at the very last bold judgment, and the very next thing chronologically that happens after that seventh bold judgment, which includes, um, um, the, the, the thing that happens immediately after that is the coming of Christ, the second coming physically to the earth. And so these chapters that we're going to be looking at, 17 and 18, are what we call parenthetical chapters. They're chapters that kind of fill in the details of the destruction of Babylon that we heard about in previous verses here in Revelation. We saw it in Revelation 14, verse 8, where it was anticipating what was coming. It says, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of, of the wrath of her fornication. And also in Revelation 16, verse 19, this was the seventh bold 
judgment. What does it say there? It outlines for us. Now that great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And so Babylon now is brought to the forefront. And we're going to see chapter 17 really talking about the ecclesiastical destruction of Babylon, this woman that we see uh, in this chapter, a woman riding the beast. And we're going to see that this woman is nothing more than a apostate religious system that's going to be uh, very active in on the earth after the church is removed during this tribulation period that we're speaking of. And it's a period of time that occurs after the real church, you and I, if you're a born-again believer, we are taken up in the rapture before these things come out. For God has not appointed us to wrath, right, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's First Thessalonians 5, verse 9. It's a great verse. Memorize it. Um, but we're going to be removed before that happens. But there is going to be an apostate church on the earth after the church is removed, and it's going to be uh, centered, we believe, in Rome, and I believe it is Rome. I don't, when, it, when it says Babylon here in chapter 17 and 18, it literally is Babylon that it's talking about. But when it talks about this woman who is a, a, a harlot, and a harlot is someone who is unfaithful, and there is spiritual adultery, and that's really what God is speaking to. It's a spiritual adulteress is really what she is. She's a system and I won't, uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I believe that it is, uh, the very heart of it is it's going to be in Rome. And I think it gives several uh, clues or pointers to that as we go through this. And I believe it is Rome. And I believe Rome is going to be the center of it. And I also believe that um, also apostate Protestantism, Islam, and the New Age cults, they are all going to be formed into one. John Lennon's song, when all the world will be as one, will fully be realized. When this happens, a one-world ecumenical nightmare. They will think it's freedom, total freedom, but it is going to be a mess. It's going to be apostate. It's going to be horrible. And God refers to her as a harlot because a chaste virgin is one who stays close to Jesus. That's why we are called the bride of Christ. But this is a harlot church. It's a harlot. It's apostate. And we're going to look at, um, uh, we're going to summarize this. The, the reason I, I wanted to, there's going to be a little bit review this, of review this morning, because I didn't want to rush through this, and I didn't want to start Revelation chapter 18 and then have to come back to it uh, in another session. So um, bear with me as we just do a little bit of review, and then we'll finish this chapter. But just to kind of recap where we're at here, let's just read through the verses, and I'm just going to make a few comments until we get to verse 9, and then we're going to kind of dig in there, okay? And so... It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked to me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Again, this great harlot we know is an apostate religious system, which we believe will be in Rome and also include many other uh, faiths, including uh, Protestantism and Islam and the New, uh, New Age cults. And notice it says that this harlot sits on many waters. And later on in verse 15, we're going to see that the many waters is 
is defined for us so we don't have to figure it out. It, it, it says it's uh, the many waters are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And so this religious system really is ensconced, if you will, over all of the earth. And Catholicism and the apostate religious system is already alive and well on the earth right now. In, uh, in, in Protestantism, in Romanism, Roman Catholicism, it's already here, it's already in the formation as we speak, and it's getting very mature, and it's going to become to its fruition once the real church, you and I, are removed. Notice, with, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so he carried me away in this spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman, this woman, sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And we've already looked at this, but by way of review, the, the beast is really an amalgamation of several different world empires. We know that Babylon was the first. Uh, the Medes and the Persians were the second. Greece, under Alexander the Great, was the third. And Rome was the fourth. And I would say Rome A. There's Rome A, and then there's Rome B, or Rome uh, Stage 1 and Stage 2. Stage 1 has already happened. Until the fall of the Roman Empire, that was stage one. But there's stage two coming yet in the future, and it's called the revived Roman Empire. But this beast really some, is an amalgamation of all those horrible things about those kingdoms are all going to be wrapped up into this final beast, and it's going to have seven heads and ten horns, and we're going to look at that this morning. But notice in verse 4, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet. Now, purple and scarlet are the very colors of Roman Catholicism. You look in the Roman Catholicism, and you look in their literature, you look, and, and purple and scarlet are interspersed throughout. It, you can't look at this and think well, it's something else. It, I believe with all my heart that it is the Roman Catholic Church, at least at the beginning of that. And the reason I believe that is because Romanism, or Babylonianism, has always been a part of Catholicism. We're going to look at today, and we looked at it last week, actually, that Babylon that began back in Genesis chapter 10 and 11, the remnants of that, of that false religious system that began at the Tower of Babel and at Babel, which was built by Nimrod, the, the, the horrible things that they did there and the religious system that was established there, that was exported as they went throughout all the earth. Remember, in chapter 11, God dispersed them because they couldn't understand one another. He confused their language, and that's why it was called Babylon or confusion. And so as they scattered throughout all the world, they took with them the remnants of that false religious system, the, the mother and the son cult, which we see in every culture, in every religious system. We see this mother and son cult cult and it's a it's a um it's a uh, a counterfeit of the original the original is mary and the son of god jesus christ but mary is not equal with jesus but that religious system venerating the mother and the son and some all these uh, crazy things was exported throughout the world and unfortunately roman catholicism has kept the tenets of much of that babylonianism it doesn't take hard. You can look at uh, Alexander Hislop's book, The Two Babylons. You can read Dave Hunt's book, The Woman Who Rides the Beast. There is so much evidence. You could spend weeks on this, and I'm glad that we're not, although we have. <laughs> Three weeks. This will be our third week, and hopefully we'll get done with it. We will get done with this. So, anyway. So, this woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and she was adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. Roman Catholicism, even Protestantism in America and throughout the world, is loaded with money. 
loaded. The Catholic Church is very rich. They've got basements in the Vatican filled with gold. Gold ornaments and gold chalices and cups and little crucifixes with diamond studs. I mean, all this stuff is very well documented. There's tons of stuff I could share with you. But just trust me when I say that that is the case. It is the case. And so... Having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations, this woman, this false religious system, and the filthiness of her fornication. Notice what it says in verse 5, and on her, on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, comma, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Now, I need to share something with you. This harlot, this woman, of course, is the apostate church. But this word mystery is not part of this title. In fact, in the uh, New American Standard Version Bible, it has this. You can see it on the screen. It says, and on her forehead, a name was written, a mystery. And then the title. What is the title written on her forehead? Is it Mystery Babylon, the mother? No. It's Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. She's the progenitress, Babylon is the progenitress of all these filthy things that have been caught and snagged and held onto in the Roman Catholicism and in Orthodox Protestantism, in the Orthodox Church as well. But notice that she is, it is a mystery, because mystery is a noun, it's not an adjective describing Babylon. Some people say mystery Babylon, but it's not that. It's not, it says a mystery. And the mystery is, what is this woman doing riding the beast? What does this woman, this religious system, have to do with government? What, what, what the mystery is, why are they so simpatico? Why are they so uh, close to each other? And we looked, if you remember, again, this mother-cult relationship, this mother-cult, mother-child cult throughout the world in many different cultures and religious systems. And you can see this. We looked at this last week. But notice in verse 6 in our text, it says, I saw the woman, she was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And remember, uh, Sir Robert Anderson of Scotland Yard estimated that Rome was guilty of the death of 50 million Christians through the inquisitions, the stake, and the torture chambers are all history. This is all very well documented, and there's no denying it. There's no denying it. Tons of evidence with this. She has tortured Christians, she's tortured Jews, she's tortured uh, those of Islam. In verse 7 it says, But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. And remember, we looked at the beast, and we know that the beast is not only the satanic power behind this world ruler that's coming on the scene, but it also includes him, the Antichrist, or the one that we call the lawless one, or the beast himself. It is a person, but that person is so closely associated with the government that he leads, it really is one thing. It's it's almost like they've, uh, you know, John here in this uh, in the Revelation is kind of talking about the beast, but the beast is more than just the man. The beast is also the man, but he's also the the the, the revived Roman Empire that he rules over. Does that make sense? So it's not just the man, it's also the system that he oversees. And notice in verse 8, And the beast that you saw was, and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names, notice, are not written in the book of life, from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. 
Now we know that the Antichrist, we read in Revelation chapter 13, that at some point during his, some point in this first half of the tribulation period, this, this first half, three and a half years of this seven year period, He's going to have an assassination attempt, and some believe that he'll actually die, and Satan himself will come from the abyss. Satan himself, not a demon. <laughs> there are people in the world that are possessed by demons, and, and I've seen some of this stuff, and, and they're really interesting characters. But we're talking about the devil himself is going to take residence in this man. And he probably will shock most of us if we were, if we were here on the earth at that time. Because most people would think he would probably be the most ugly-looking, you know, uh, he's probably going to be the, the smoothest character you've ever seen. He's probably going to be handsome. He's going to speak really well. He's going to have a, a charisma about him that's going to make people's jaws drop. He's going to have all the answers. He will be their savior, lowercase s, thank you. But notice, he was... Because John is speaking as if it's already happened. He was, and then uh, and is not, meaning he's going to suffer this assassination attempt, and then and will ascend out of the bottomless pit. Not the man himself, but the spirit. The spirit of, of the devil himself will incarnate inside this man, and he will be known as the man of sin, the son of perdition. And he will come into this man. And, and, and again, he's a counterfeiter. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, what does it say about our Lord Jesus Christ? It says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Notice that last line, and, and compare that with what we saw in verse 8 there. The beast that you saw was and is not and, and will ascend. The devil is no dummy. He is very smart. In fact, he I would say, without giving him too much credit here, he's genius. He's no power compared to God. And as a child of God, apart from God, you are nothing. But in Christ, he cannot touch you. He can mess with you, but he cannot take away what God has given to you. He cannot take your salvation away, and he can mess with your mind and your heart if you, if you let him. But the thing is, is your salvation is secure. Your salvation is secure. But this one can only counterfeit Jesus. There's no, nothing new there. What is that phrase? Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. <laughs> It's true. He doesn't come up with anything new. He doesn't have to. The best way to, de- to deceive is to come along and make everything sound just like the original, but just slight modifications. That's how they do, that's how they make products in other worlds, or in other countries, I'm sorry. They make products, and it looks like the, the American thing, but there's no quality there. It was made, you know, with the least, the cheapest parts available, and you have it for a week, and then it breaks. It's a counterfeit. But notice, now we get into verse 9. It says, Here is the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. Let's stop right there, because if we go back to verse 9 here, it says, Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. We've identified who the woman is, this false religious system. We believe it's Rome. And also notice that, it, that the seven heads are seven mountains that, on which she sits. And what is Rome known as? It's known as the city on seven hills. 
or seven mountains. That's a very well-known thing going all the way back into antiquity. Now, there are some who disagree on this, and that's okay. We're going to get to the seven heads, because notice in verse 10, the seven heads are also seven kings. This certain phrase actually has two meanings, it seems. Some believe it's just one, but I believe it could be two, because I believe in my heart that Rome is is the center of this, uh, or, or the, 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 the nucleus of this false religious system. But notice it says, there are also seven kings, and five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And this can be somewhat of a, uh, a tricky thing for us, because it sounds very cryptic, but I want you to understand that the Bible, especially the book of Revelation, is it the apocalypsis, is it the unveiling, or is it the uh, covering up? Is it trying to cover up something or is it trying to unveil something? The very name of the term, Revelation, means the unveiling, taking off the wraps, right? And so we believe that these seven heads uh, are seven, it could mean seven mountains. We know that um, in the Bible, oftentimes a, a mountain refers to a, a, uh, a kingdom and a king specifically, but, but a kingdom. And we, cannot, we can see that in Isaiah chapter 2. It says, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's shall, uh, the Lord's house shall also be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. That's Christ's kingdom on the mountains. His kingdom on the mountains. And it also speaks in Daniel chapter 2, uh, verses 34 and 35. Daniel says, you watched while a stone was cut and he's speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, you watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. And then the iron, the clay, and the bronze, and the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And notice, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain that filled the whole earth. What is this great mountain that's going to crush all the kingdoms of the earth? Let me give you a hint. It starts in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Jesus coming back to the earth. He is going, his kingdom is going to come, and it's going to destroy all the earthly kingdoms. It's going to crush them into powder. And what does he go on in, in, in the same chapter? Daniel goes a little further in verse 44 of chapter 2. He says, And in the days of those kings, the God, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these nations, and it shall stand forever, inasmuch as you saw the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold. The great God has made known to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, what will come to pass after after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So Daniel's saying that that mountain is God's kingdom. So you understand that seven mountains, biblically, there's other examples, but we won't go there. They also refer to kingdoms. Kingdoms. Does that make sense? It speaks of kingdoms. And no doubt it could also mean that this place where this harlot sits, her foundation, her center, if you will, is a city with seven hills on it. Rome is the only one that's really known as that. The city on seven hills There's ancient Roman coins showing Titus Vespasian sitting on the seven hills of Rome when he conquered Jerusalem in 70 AD. There's Roman poets 
speaking of it as the lofty city on seven peaks, which rules the world. And it's interesting that even the Roman Catholic Church in the confraternity edition of the New Testament, they actually claim that Rome is Babylon. In their own words, they actually claim that themselves. And it's really no surprise because the, the, there's so much of the uh, Babylonianism uh, embedded, if you will, in that religion. I've been to Rome. I, I was in Rome in 1990. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.